Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Hello, hello. Hello. I feel like I haven't seen you in so long. Hi, Vanessa. It's good to see you. <laughs> it's good to see you. We have a question to answer today. And the question is, how to transition from romantic to platonic relationship? No drama, lots of love. That's it? That's the question? That's the question. So I guess my question, which we don't have this person here to ask, would be, is the other person in alignment or not? So I guess we could answer this question in two ways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's that's the question. Does the other person agree? Do you have their buy-in? If not, um, you know, I mean, they're certainly the same. I don't know. I was about to say approach that you take either way, but it sounds like this person's pretty clear mm -hmm. and there's something about saying no drama that makes me believe that somehow there's like a, a shared idea that yeah. we've come to a culmination here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think let's assume that they, they are in alignment. It sounds like maybe it's almost like waiting for the other person to go first. Maybe it just sounds like they're, mm. they're waiting on the other person to say it first you know, and how, how do you be the first one to go? And I guess I could pertain to anything. How, how do you be the first one to say the hard thing in yeah. any situation, you know? So funny. I was just doing an interview where we were talking about breakups and, um, the person was asking me, do you think it's harder for the person that is the breakup B or the breakup -er? mm -hmm. And I was like, I honestly think 
I don't think it's harder or easier for either person, but I don't think people honor the person that does the deed enough. Like totally. I think that person gets a lot of flack, becomes like villainized. Mm -hmm. I think quite often we don't societally take into account the amount of courage it takes to be the one to finally pull the plug on something that has expired. And so I think, yeah, that person is also going through a breakup just as much as the other person, but they have to carry the additional weight of being the bad guy. I love that. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And I know that I feel like if I'm thinking personally, like my MO almost is to be the one that like pushes the other person to do it first. Mm. Um, and then like the one time in my life that I had to like be the one to do it because I knew the other person wouldn't do it, but I knew that we both knew that it needed to happen yeah. was probably like the hardest thing I've ever had to do. You know, even though I was so clear, it was still so hard. Um, and it, I mean, it's still hard actually, even mm. now, like it's still, um, I was actually just talking to a client about this, about how, you know, and you and I have talked about this, like this lesson that we learn hopefully around being the bad guy mm -hmm. in somebody else's story, even if that's not your truth. Right. Mm -hmm. And how much work it takes to like be okay with that. Um, or even maybe not the bad guy, but even if like that person's narrative of what happened is different than the way you see it. Um, and being okay with like, you're never going to be able to convince them otherwise, or maybe there's just not an opportunity to convince them otherwise. And, um, can you be okay with just knowing your truth, mm -hmm. even if that other person and potentially even multiple people don't know your truth, don't care to know your truth, don't believe your truth. It's, it's hard. Yeah. And I think that's an important point in the context of what that person was asking, which is like no drama, even if it's sort of an amicable, amicable breakup. I think what I find to be often the most challenging aspect of breakups are other people's perspectives, point of views, um, other people having like, you know, they're mad at your, your person or whatever, you know, like they don't know how to interact with the two of you anymore because you're not a couple and that can be sort of challenging waters to navigate. And I think if you guys are on the same page, I think what a lot of times our work in terms of what we need to prepare for, the conversations we need to have is like, how are we going to hold this for other people when mm. they are activated? Do you know what I mean? Um, oh, I, love that I remember, <laughs> well, I remember when my marriage ended people being like, oh my God, we're so sorry. And us being like, we're not, we're not. <laughs> it's like, nobody's dying. Like we're, we're actually in a really good place. This is a good thing. People yeah. like, um, but we're just so conditioned to think of breakups as like a horrific thing. And that was another thing I was just talking about a lot of times when people actually break up, right? Like, I think I heard this thing that it's like normally four to five cycles of like, we break it up and get back together or like on average, or like we attempt to break up and it doesn't stick or whatever it is. So when someone finally reaches that point or two people reach that point of like, we're done, a lot of times it's like, it's been exhausting. I think Glennon Doyle speaks to that a little bit as well. Like we don't celebrate the, like, you don't have to be in the struggle anymore mm. with people that a lot of times people actually really do feel. And I think that's, that's true of various forms of grief. Like I felt that when my dad passed away, like my dad doesn't have to suffer anymore. And there was like relief. And I think sometimes when we've been going through something really challenging, like a relationship that's not working, 
there's such a deep sense of exhale and I don't have to do this anymore. And I just get to be free of that inner turmoil that I rarely hear people talk about, but I think is often the case, you know? Well, I think we feel guilty for that. Mm. Like I think, you know, because society makes us feel like breakups are the worst thing, right? Um, Because there's nothing worse than not being partnered, right? Mm -hmm. In our society. I think because the society makes us feel so bad about that, um, it's hard for people to admit that a breakup is actually a good thing or a release or a relief, right? Um, Because I know when I ended that relationship I was talking about, I remember having a moment, I don't know, maybe like six months after the fact, where I was kind of sitting by myself reflecting and I had this like, oh, I haven't cried. Like I actually Mm -hmm. have not cried one time since I left. And I immediately felt some sort of like guilt about that or maybe a little shame. I don't know. But And then as soon as I started feeling guilty, I had this other thought that came in. It was like, yeah, but you did a lot of crying in the last year to two years of that relationship. And so what I think we don't talk about enough is like you do the grieving work just because for some people, right? Like if you don't cry, if you're like me, it's not because I wasn't sad or wasn't grieving. It's because I had been doing the grieving within the container. Um, And I think sometimes it goes the same for when people die. You know, I mean, I know when my grandma passed away again, like I, I cried maybe once or twice and that was, she was a really important person in my life, but I think I had grieved it before she had passed. Mm -hmm. Of course I was sad, but it just was different. And I think we, I think we feel guilty for, for processing it in that way. And I don't think we should. Yeah. I think there's room to normalize that whatever's coming up is okay. And Mm -hmm. you feel how you feel. And I think it is actually not only often a really normal thing for you to feel a sense of deep relief after with what you're speaking to, I've sort of been in this struggle mm-hmm. of this, grieving this for a while. But I think also, especially if, as the person asking this question is saying, um, we're in a pretty good place, yeah. I think like happy and excited yeah. and we're actually like better together because <laughs> I feel like I felt very alienated in that experience. And granted, it was like my kid's dad. So we still had to interact with one another a lot. But like, yeah, I mean, there were moments that were challenging, but for the most part, we were kind of excited to mm-hmm. like not be in that container anymore. And so um, I love to tell people all the time, the beautiful thing about a breakup is you can go anywhere. You can do mm-hmm. anything. Now, if you have kids, maybe not, but for the most <laughs> part, um, a breakup is like a new opportunity. I remember this girl in college who was like so enmeshed with her boyfriend and they broke up and it was like, at first she was like devastated, but then she was like, I was talking to her about it and she was like, the world is my oyster though. Mm. Like all of a sudden I realized there's all these things that I was into doing that he didn't want to do these places I want to travel and I'm going. And I was like, whoa, that's, what's cool. Like now all of a sudden your life belongs to you again. And not that it shouldn't have while you were in that relationship. But a lot of times we have to take that other person into account when Mm -hmm. we're making decisions where when we're single, all of a sudden it's like sky's the limit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think something is coming up too around what you said around, um, what other people think and like how other people view you. And I think sometimes, um, when you're in a place of knowing this topic, I feel like has been really present lately around people asking the question around like, 
how do I know? And like, when is it time to act? And like, when do I just do the thing regardless of whether we're talking relationships or not, you know? And, um, I feel like I've said a lot. I know you say something similar, which is like, when you know, you'll know, you know, and we don't have to push ourselves into a place of knowing we have to trust that when our inner self, when our intuition, when our soul knows something, it will be a knowing, right. And, mm -hmm. and we'll be very good in our knowing. And, um, I just lost where I was going with that, but I, <laughs> I just think that that is something too, that we don't need to beat ourselves up for, that we also don't have to explain to other people. I think a lot of times, especially in breakups, people want to know all the details. They want to know the why, they want to know the how they want to, you know, meanwhile, you've been in it with this person, I'm sure going around and around for a while and you don't really owe anybody else an explanation. You don't really owe anybody mm -hmm. a justification. Um, and I think, oh, I think where I was going with that is like that inner knowing we have to keep coming back to that because I do think sometimes other people's feelings about us and our decisions can make us waver. Not mm. always, but I have seen it happen. And so we need to be really kind of coming back to ourselves continuously in our knowing so that we don't get like knocked off course by those around us who, you know, I'm sure have good intentions at heart, but, um, aren't us. They're not us. They don't have our knowing, you know? Something you said that I just love so much is like my inner knowing is enough because mm -hmm. I think there's a way that societally that is so unacceptable. Like if you are in a relationship with a good person mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong and they're not like abusive, then why would you leave? Right? Like why would you not stay in this relationship container? And something John certainly has normalized is the idea that some relationships are meant to expire mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that those people don't still have an incredible amount of love and respect for one another, but it means I believe that the point of relationships and why we join together in partnership with another person is because we have a shared vision of what our relationship should look like and what we mm -hmm. want to build together. And sometimes we do have that at one point mm -hmm. and then people evolve and they change and that's not true anymore. And I think we really need to societally evolve into not villainizing people for that, you know, and that yeah. sometimes there is no reason except the vision isn't the same anymore. And we have so much love for each other and we're just not headed in the same direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also if we looked at our relationships more as like, it doesn't actually matter if it's a romantic partnership, if it's a friendship, if it's a, you know, family relationship, it really doesn't matter. I mean, if we're looking at all relationships in our lives as, are we in alignment? Are we acting from a place of love? What would love look like? Um, I feel like we would be in a lot less struggle in general around mm -hmm. like attempting to kind of like stranglehold relationships um, and like make them be something they're not, right? Versus mm -hmm. just like allowing relationships to kind of be the like living, breathing entities that they already are. Um, you know, and living organisms change. And like you said, they evolve and, um, you know, there's death and rebirth. And, um, I think a lot of times and I've seen this with clients, and I think I would probably say I've seen it in myself. We actually hinder our growth sometimes. Like we keep ourselves stunted by keeping ourselves attached to relationships that no longer are in alignment with us. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't think, I mean, I, I feel like our soul's purpose is to evolve. That's why we're here. 
And so if I'm holding on to out of fear, anybody, again, romantic or otherwise, that's actually keeping me from evolving, that I'm not doing myself or that other person's soul any favors, you know? Yes. Yeah. I think it is exciting to be alive at a time where not only are we starting to conceptualize love and relationships in a different way, but that we have the the freedom and the opportunity to do that. You know, I think mm -hmm. as women, certainly our ancestors are looking at us with the ability to make these choices for ourselves and are just beaming, I believe, yeah. because there was a very long time where didn't matter if you guys were not in alignment or on the same page. Like it was like sister. Didn't matter if you were getting your this, ass beat. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, didn't matter. I mean, absolutely. For so many reasons. Um, you know, and listen, in some places that aren't like what no fault divorce states, like that's still, still the case. A fight that women a lot of places in the world too, you know, outside of our country. Absolutely. And I think as we have these conversations, it's really important to bring that into the conversation as well, that some of that is a really privileged um, space to be able to mm -hmm. stand in. But because we have that um, opportunity, I think it's important to really be in the space of like fighting for truth. And like you mm -hmm. said, our inner knowing, because that hasn't always been something that um, women and people in general were able, were able to have for themselves. Yeah. And I think I, I want to also just circle back to the word platonic that this person used, like from romantic to platonic, because hmm. I also think that, and I, and I've been a believer of this for a long time, um, like long before I kind of got into this space, but Ending relationships doesn't mean – or ending a, a, the way that a relationship looks, changing. How about changing the way a relationship looks or changing a container does not actually have to mean that you hate each other. <laughs> and oh I think gosh. so often I have seen – obviously, you have a very personal experience with this. And I just feel like so often I've seen in so many people, you know, my I have one ex included, that they have to hate that person. It's like if they don't hate that person, they won't have a reason to blame them. They won't have a reason to, I mean, I guess kind of stay the victim, but for some people, I think having like hatred is like a way that they're able to move forward and move on. And I think also when we're talking about like rewriting what we're allowed to do in relationships and end in relationships, I think that's also part of it. Like we don't have to hate each other. We can, and I've said this to clients, I'm like, are we holding on to something until we hate each other because then it's easier to let go of because you don't have to do that. You get to decide to say this is there's no one there's no one at fault here. We want to stay friends, platonic, you know. And um that's how we're going to end this versus we're going to keep a stranglehold until we hate each other's guts and we have no other option but to leave. Well, I think that's you brought up two points that I think mm -hmm. are so important. And I think the thing of like I have to hate this person or I have to um have like this thing of being in love with this person to me is just another example of the ways that we are conditioned to dehumanize one another. And I've always found it fascinating. Like when people get divorced, I would be like, where does the love go? Like you yeah. love someone enough to like share your life with them and now you hate them. Fascinating. Right. Um, but I think that that is like, if you are the object and you know how I feel about this, that I am getting my needs met through, then you're acceptable to be here. Then you are what, like your utility that I'm finding like use in, right? Um, 
And if not, then I'm done with this transaction mm -hmm. and you're dead to me. But mm -hmm. that is like, we can't speak or excuse me, we can't hold space for the complexity of emotions that like, you know, it's like what we often talk about and I don't want to genderize it, but because I think this is true of all genders, but I think certainly with men, we talk a lot about how men are socialized to only be able to experience emotions through anger and sex. And I think it's either you're like this sexual object that I like have desire for, or I hate you. And that's mm -hmm. so much of like the conditioning coming into play in our relationships, you know? Um, there was another thing you brought up that I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, y'all. It's like we get to choose. I just feel like I've said this so many times to so many clients. Like, who says? Who says? Who oh. Decide? That was the other thing you said. I think that to me, like, um, you know how you were saying, like, we often speak to, and I think when we facilitate groups, we talk about, like, you know when you know. Like, mm -hmm. you just have this internal knowing. And while I do think that's true, what I was talking to a client about the other day is I do think we know and, like, the fear keeps us holding on. And then we get to this point of destroying each other. Mm. And like, we can't be friends anymore because we've just like picked apart at anything yeah. that was good and right and true about our dynamic. And that I think is sometimes the reason to not let it get to that space, not get it to the space where like, I don't even like respect you anymore because we've just picked apart so much at, um, again, one another's humanity. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, I caught myself. I remember saying when I was leaving that relationship, I remember saying to a friend, it's like saying this out loud. No, just, I mean, my eyes are wide just thinking about saying this, but I, I remember saying to a friend, I wish he had hit me mm. because this would be easier. Like this decision to leave would be easier. Oof. And I mean, I have a lot of compassion for that version of myself then, you know, but yeah. And it, listen, I mean, these decisions are hard when somebody else is involved. It's never, it's very rarely is it like easy peasy, you know? I mean, there's, it's always going to be a struggle, but I have compassion for that version of myself who just really felt like I needed a reason that was that big to just choose myself and say, this isn't an alignment and I love you. And this is no fault, but it's not an alignment for me anymore. And by the way, for that, for this person either, I mean, like Glennon Doyle always says, there's no such thing as one way liberation. Right. Um, but I felt somehow like I needed that kind of justification for it to be okay. And yeah. I don't believe that now, but boy, I believed it then. And I know a lot of people do, and I've heard something similar to that come from a lot of people's mouths. So I know that I'm not the only one, but, um, yeah, that's just a whole other paradigm that we need to shift. Yeah, you're far from the only one. And I think that circles back to that thing of like, you need to have a reason. Otherwise, mm -hmm. otherwise, why would you end this? Yep. Which is why, you know, the obsession of my life is that I believe we are evolving beyond these ownership templates where like every day we should be making a conscious choice from the space of we don't belong to one another. So mm -hmm. if we're here, we are both choosing to be here because we want to be, not because anybody's entitled to our life. That's not, I believe what, um, it means to love one another, you know, but mm -hmm. that has been everything we have been programmed to believe up to this point is like, you belong to me <laughs> once mm -hmm. you're my person. And I think a lot of times that can feel like a cage. Yeah. We're evolving y'all buckle up. <laughs> mm. 
beautiful time to be alive. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.